the B Plus Wrestling Podcast. You the moves. You might not be an A, but you are a B Plus. Check it out. Here we go. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, Arda in the B-plus land. Look in my eyes. What do you see? It's your B-plus man of mystery. Hi guys, Mr. Mysterious here, and welcome to All The Rest, the wrestling podcast where we cover all the wrestling news in this wacky, weird world that we call professional wrestling. Happy Father's Day to all the listeners out in Australia this week. It's a very, very busy week, not just in terms of professional wrestling, because we have AEW All Out, New Japan's Royal Quest, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, but also because it's Father's Day, and wow, we're gonna have we're gonna be scrapped for time here. But I hope that you're all able to celebrate it with your um, parental figures this weekend. And if you're uh, have any single mothers out there, like who are doing the jobs of both parents, make sure you make sure you congratulate them for their wonderful work, and just remind them that they're doing fantastic. We're going to be covering a lot of wrestling news this week. We're going to be covering MLW news all the latest AEW news that just before All Out. I'm going to cover some NWA, the weird WWE stories, and I'm going to try and end it with some nice positivity towards the end because it's Father's Day, damn it, and we need some positivity. So how about we get started with MLW episode 72, main evented for the middleweight championship between Teddy Hart and MJF, a champion versus champion bout. Now, after a little recap from last week, we had Mance Warner. We had a lovely mugshot of old Mance Warner being arrested for, I, I don't know what for. I mean, he only threatened someone with a chainsaw. It's not like that's illegal. Wait. Oh, it's legal. Oh, oh my apologies. Yeah, he should definitely should be in jail. What am I talking about? <laughs> in all seriousness, guys, yeah, when logic prevails, Mance Warner cannot just casually threaten people with chainsaws. Not on people. We had our first opening match. We had Hijo de L.A. Park versus Zenchi. Now, Zenchi is a relative newcomer to MLW. He has, uh, he did a match a couple weeks ago, I believe, with Gringo Loco. It was a pre-taped match from like last month that they aired. Like as like a backup taping. Uh, I think it was like due to something with Contra. Can't remember the specifics right now, off the top of my head. But so this is his like second match with MLW. And this was a really interesting affair. Now, he heard that LA Park is an interesting specimen, uh, not only just in promotions, but in Major League Wrestling in general. He hasn't really, he doesn't really get a chance to show a whole lot of personality. Like he's a very capable, he's a more of a brawler like his dad, which is weird because um, his Papa Park, as I'm going to call him, he was originally like a lucha, like did the traditional lucha libre moveset. set, and then as he's become older. He's resorted to the more brawler tactics, but Hiho just naturally does the brawler tactics more so than the lucha stuff. So he's kind of doing it in reverse. And uh, Hiho's trademark is that he does the gyrating hips. But if you didn't know that before, you'd know that now with this match because every five seconds he's just thrusting and gyrating. I'm going to call him Horny Hiho because that is all you could get from this match. Every five seconds when he's, like, got the best of an exchange or he's thrown his engine on the outside, just thrusting and gyrating, ladies and gentlemen. Just look at those hips swing. Um, some people might like that with a guy dressed as a skeleton. 
Some people might not, but you're entitled to like what you like. In terms of the match itself, um, yeah, no, wonderful Lucha Libre always is a prevalent thing in Major League Wrestling. Some of the early highlights was a suicide dive by Park, catching a hurricane on the floor when swinging Zenshi into a guardrail and powerbombing onto the apron. I love when people do that. Zenshi flashed his skills off, like with a running shooting star pressed, a coast-to-coast missile dropkick diagonally, ladies and gentlemen diagonally that is that's some next level shit right there right he should be commended alone like some people do shooting star coast to coast like like vertically (laughs) but they don't do it diagonally because that is a far more of a crazy leap and uh yeah throughout zenshi is going to go far in major league wrestling he is going to excel there for the finishing sequence though you had park powerbomb zenshi Park again swiveled his hips, allowing for a moment for Zenshi to recover for a Hurricanrana. Park kicked out. Zenshi ducked a clothesline and then won with a spinning bulldog. It looked kind of like that. After the match, though, LA <laughs> Horny Hiho resorted to his uh, Papa Parks tactics and got a steel chair out and, yeah, whacked him in the back for good measure. And then he started gyrating his hips some more. So Hiho still looks like uh, he's... He still looks like a very capable wrestler, even though he lost the match. Zensi gets the rub. I think it's his first victory. He lost to Gringo Loco the other week. I can't recall properly, but yeah, a very happy, a very interesting, interesting mood that set the tone for this episode of Major League Wrestling. We had a H2TV segment. I cannot tell you anything about what happened because you're trying to follow Teddy Hart's train of thought, and Teddy Hart's train of thought is in every which way direction like it's a supercomputer with four tabs open there's music playing somewhere and there's pictures of cats and sure enough um this all i can tell you about this episode of h2tv is that teddy's cats are in it like there's not really i mean, <laughs> no no joke teddy started mocking mjf about his father paying teddy money to not do any canadian destroyers uh, apparently MJF gave some wrestling advice to Brian Pillman Jr. It was very, very vague. Like Pillman sarcastically made a comment about carrying MJF's bags. Like I don't, I cannot tell you <laughs> for me recalling it. If you can watch it, go and watch it. I need, I, I need a, I, I need to go back to university or something to comprehend the mindset that is Teddy Hart. He's a fantastic wrestler. Like seems like a wonderful man, caring man with with his animals and stuff. Seems like a crazy bastard, but that's not a wrong thing in this world. Uh, we had an interview with the professional Loki, the former MLW World Heavyweight Champion, being interviewed by Casey Lennox. Good interview. We're going to praise Casey for this. Actually, a great interview uh, because Loki's just a wonderful interview. Of course, uh, yeah, they're talking about the transitions from the heavyweight to the middleweight division as if Loki was, as if Loki was already a heavyweight when he had to forcibly cut when they started enforcing the weight restrictions. Like he was always billed as 175, 180 pounds, like 170 pounds, right? The weight cutoff is 205. Like Loki did not gain, not lose like 30, 40 pounds when MLW suddenly made the announcement, but then <laughs> they make it seem professional. Right. And Loki's just like, he's making it seem like, oh, it's all part of the plan. Like this is more his natural size. And you'll have to deal with opponent's speed and explosivity. Um, I didn't realize explosivity was a word. 
I learn more every day listening to The Professional. But Loki's talking about Teddy Hart, like because he's the champ, of course, in the middleweight division. Talking about a Contra unit's logo keeps flashing throughout this episode. It's been happening on and off for the past few episodes, but yeah, just to reinforce who the champ is at the moment. And Casey Ladies, of course, does mention about Contra. So Loki says they will feel his exceptional professional presence. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Love it. (laughs) Love it, love it. I I keep saying it, and it better happen now. War Games, or the War Chamber, Loki better be that fourth man, otherwise I'm going to be very sorely disappointed. We have the Contra unit. They do a little promo about Tom Lawler because he's having his rematch for the MLW World title next week. Lawler versus the Samoan Werewolf, Jacob Fatu. Should be very, very interesting. We have a little promo with Selena De La Renta, and the commentary team are accusing her of calling the cops on old Mansa, and she's just like, yeah, he threatened me with a chainsaw. <laughs> I, I don't, like, when wrestling tries to bend the logics of just everyday life, like, no, he threatened her with a chainsaw, he needs to go to jail. <laughs> but then um, she's there with Jimmy Havoc, and Havoc doesn't feel bad for Manta at all because he like he says that Warner will probably enjoy prison, but the moment he gets out, Havoc will be there to ruin his life. And they've actually just announced that there's going to be a bunkhouse match between Manta and Jimmy Havoc. So a very interesting deathmatch theme. I can't quite tell you what it's going to be. And I love the fact that so after Jimmy Havoc just took the reins, Selena just kind of looked at him just like, I love you. <laughs> He's just like, finally, someone who's helpful. It was very, <laughs> it was very sweet just to have the fact that Selena is just like, I'm so used to Ricky just being so incompetent and just like, but you, you're British, you're polite, you're a savage. Like, I like you. <laughs> and so do we. I cannot wait to see what he does for All Out in the Cracker Barrel match, which I will get to later on in this Father's Day edition of All the Rest. So after that little promo, it's a very a lot of promos this week, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't caught on by now, we have Tom Lawler and the Von Eric brothers do a promo. Uh, pretty much Lawler, he's he's such a weird promo, right? You have the Von Erics who try and do like this meet these meaningful promos that are well thought out, and then all of a sudden Tom Lawler he just he's in a different zone and just all of a sudden Contra <laughs> completely derails the whole thing. But in this one, he's just, he got the crazy eyes and he just says, this means war. So, yep. I I don't know what else you can expect from Tom Lawler at this point. We had a promo with the lifestyles of the rich and dynastics before heading to Japan to compete with Noah, pro wrestling Noah. Alexander Hammerstone was just relaxing with his dynasty bros. And he's just, he's enjoying his uh, new Rolex watch, his very first watch, apparently. Uh, Life's pretty full. You know, like, it's just the, this wasn't the best uh, Dynasty promo because it just seemed like they were trying to think of shit to stay and then they just started shit talking the Heart Foundation, but it didn't seem very natural transition. It was nice for, I was happy for Hammerstone to finally get his gold watch, but um, yeah, not the best one, just the Dynasty, Dynasty hyping themselves up. Bad Mouth in the Heart Foundation. It was more logical than the HGTV, HGTV episode, but I yeah, there wasn't much uh, spice in either of those segments, I'm sorry to say. But Alexander Hammerstone, at the time I'm recording, in the 
Pro Wrestling Noah, the victory tournament, the N1, he's crushing it over there. I think the past seven matches, he's won about six of them. The guy is doing, like, amazing work over there. Like, you need to look at it. Like, the partnerships that MLW are doing are second to none because, so with the, like, with the partnership with Noah, like, Hammerstone's crushing it over there. The partnership with the Crash, the... I have, don't think I mentioned last week. They're actually planning a Tijuana, uh, Tijuana show in prom- MLW collaboration show with the Crash. I can't wait. Like there's so many collaborations that MLW have in store for everyone. I just can't wait to see what is going to be happening in the next few months. We have like, after that we cut to the main event. So we only had two matches on this episode of Major League Wrestling. And yeah, champion versus champion. And Timbar, I love Timbar. He is the best announcer going right now. I don't say it enough, but he's got that rich, guttural voice. Championship! He's listened to Timbar. He's a game show host, which makes all the sense in the world. But yeah, listen to him when he introduces people. He's just incredible. MJF came out first with Aria Blake. Uh, kissed her butt as she held the ropes open for him, uh, which was, that happened. And MJF just kind of promo, just reveling. Like, we, we, we need to save these moments, ladies and gentlemen, before MJF goes to AEW officially. We just need to save these moments. But it's very similar to when MJF first tried to win back his middleweight championship. So he's saying he never lost the title. He's getting back what's rightfully his. Teddy Hart is a bum. Just like his uncle Brett still working that feud, uh, because MJF is better than both Teddy and Brett, and they know it. Very solid stuff there. Teddy comes out with Mr. Velvet. Uh, Mr. Velvet again, one of the finest actors on the Major League Wrestling roster. Like knows his role, knows his role definitely. <laughs> but um, so you have. And I should mention as well, so the the collaboration that MLW has made with like the Mars Stats Institute, they actually calculated Hart's win win loss record when escorted to the ring by Mr. Velvet. So all these collaborations by MLW, I love them so much. As for the match itself, very similar to again, very similar to their first rematch after Teddy Hart won the middleweight championship. MGF is trying to be like cowardly and conniving and everything else. Hart's completely like, I've seen it all before, mate. Yeah, I got it. He did a powerbomb lung blower and a hammerlock DDT in the early goings on. When Teddy was going to do a moonsault onto the outside, MJF put Arya Blake in his way. So he just like grabs her, gets out of steel chair, forcibly makes her sit. But in all the make all the uh, in all the situation by trying to be a gentleman. He gets a super kick by MJF, but Arya Black's just like, oh, I'm sitting down now. Might as well do my thing. <laughs> you had MJF is just, uh, I, I enjoyed this rematch a lot more than the first one. So like you had highlights like a Regal Plex by MJF. You had a Code Red by Teddy, like a running Canadian destroyer. It was like, I, I love Teddy Hart because he's such a methodical wrestler which sounds like I'm bad-mouthing him, like, when people say methodical, like, with Randy Orton and stuff, but I'm really not. Like, he picks these spots, and he does maximum impact with, like, the least amount of energy exuded, right? But then all of a sudden, he just did a running Canadian Destroyer, and loved it, <laughs> loved it, loved it. 
you had MJF did the sharpshooter on Teddy Hart and then a heat-seeking pile driver. Like, he kind of stole that from Teddy Hart. But I, I, like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's from their feud. I don't mind. Then we have a little bit of a finish where uh, Blake tossed her stiletto to MJF. The referee saw it, prevented them from cheating, ejected Arya Blake. In all the confusion, you had Teddy Hart do a top rope, Super Canadian Destroyer, one, two, three. Teddy Hart retains his middleweight championship. Very solid episode of MLW. After a couple weeks of just like not great elements, like with the Selena Conan story, with some of the weird matches that's been going on, uh, like not really flowing too well. Like I've enjoyed some episodes from last week, week before, but just like. This episode, Breath for Fresh Air, just what I needed. Loved all the parts about it. Selena, like, such a hypnotizing personality, right? And I don't know what else I can say. Like, ending with Teddy Hart, ending with your strong points, I cannot fault MLW for that. All the latest news from there, like, they've just signed Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gold medalist Dominic Garini, who'll make his MLW debut in Dallas, I believe, in September 7th. You've got... um, Timothy Thatcher is returning to the ring. He's going to be facing off against the kickboxer turned pro wrestler Douglas James in the war chamber uh, when they finally do their taping in the next few weeks. God, that's going to be a killer match. And then, interestingly enough, we had an interview come out with Court Bauer. Now, this is very fascinating because Court Bauer has been a very, very private figure since MLW resurged like a couple of years ago. You've not seen his face. Right, and this little interview thing, check it out on the MLW website. Step inside the ring with MLW CEO Court Bauer. Not what I pictured. I, I should have, like, you can Google him, I suppose, but not what I pictured he'd look like. Have a listen, have a listen to the leader of Major League Wrestling. The guy is doing wonderful things. Him and Tony Khan, both different sides of the spectrum in terms of alternate wrestling promotions, but they're doing incredible work. I, I love Major League. I can't wait to watch AEW when they appear on TNT. Love it. So speaking of AEW, we didn't have a Road 2 episode this week. We had just the Being the Elite episode 167, What Time Is It in London? And this was Kenny Omega's response to the news that John Moxley has a Mercer infection in his elbow, which forced him to withdraw from the match at All Out. And Kenny just cuts him to pieces, right? He's saying that he was preparing just for Moxley. And Moxley has been going all over the world, right? He's been appearing in New Japan. He won the US title. He's been a part of the G1 Climax. He's been doing the indie shows with guys like Killer Cross and Darby Allen. He's been going every which way across the world. And, and because he's just trying to do everything and anything, he's screwed himself up right? He got an infection in Japan. And yeah, Kenny cannot care less. He's just saying that it's irresponsible. Like, I don't care if you ever come back to Major League, if Major League, if you don't care if you come back to AEW ever again, which he will for the tapings, of course. But yeah, that rivalry is not going to go away anytime soon. They didn't do any um, promos. Kenny didn't do any parting words for Pac. But we did have the the board meeting, quote-unquote, of Cody and the Young Bucks trying to think of a replacement for Moxley. 
and they say the titular line, what time is it in London? It's like, no, no, never look back, no, never say die. And, yeah, of course, Park has been announced. Can't wait. The bastard, oh, AW need a great heel like like Pack. Cannot wait to see what happens with that. But that that um that board meeting where they're just like, can we call like Marty? No, he's practically dead to us at this point. Can we call Flip? Like, no, no. Like he's in the same boat, man. And just they're throwing out all these names and they just can't make it work. But yeah. As for everything else, you have SCU. They had a little uh weird <laughs> weird park story with Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. You have Johnny Hen- John Hennigan and Taya Valkyrie. They're walking their dog, and then they do a poop core because the dog pooped in someone's lo- someone's yard, and it's like, who did this? And everyone just flees, but they do parkour, but they call it poop core. It, it's it's as I'm sounds like I'm cut derailing it more than it really was. It was actually pretty funny. But that's just an announcement for that match. So this could be a six-man tag. I believe will be the start of the main show, not on the pre-show. Uh, we're not doing a predictions video for before All Out, but I will say I am backing Lutasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. SCU, very capable wrestlers. They You can have them booked in any situation. You had Tony Schiavone officially confirmed that he is All Elite. He said that one of the next shows, the TNT shows, are going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. That will be September 6th. So that would be at the Bojangles Coliseum, Mr. Bojangles. And they confirmed as well recently, AEW, that they're going to go back to Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. So at the time of recording, they will already be, will have all out currently in place. And then they're going to head back to that place November 27th. I believe the same venue as well i wouldn't imagine why not and then we ended of course with chris jericho just reinforcing the fact that he needs to win the AEW world championship because if he doesn't it's going to mean the beginning of the end for chris jericho and he can't have that damn it it's chris jericho baby yeah very solid like they didn't need to like they've they've already sold out AEW have like promoted everything like seemingly fantastically they've handled the situation with park and moxley and that really really well i can't fault them at all for that in terms of nwa news we had two videos coming out of the nwa camp this week so we had nwa kind of capitalizing on all out by showing an exclusive look at all in last year where where Aldis was still, this is just before their match itself. So when Aldis was the champion and getting ready and you had Cody signing stuff with Pharaoh there, like an in-depth look at Pharaoh, like an unedited version of Pharaoh signing autographs. Very sweet stuff. So the NWA capitalizing on that. They recently announced that they are going to have their tapings at GPB Studios. So that was the other video that came out. And they said that there are VIP tickets available for their tapings coming out September 3rd. There'll only be like 100 tickets. So really check out the NWA socials if you want to get onto that. And they announced that a lot of former NWA champions will be there, which is I'm really looking forward to see because 
when you hear former NWA world champions, you think like the classic older era of world champions. But because this is so shrouded in mystery at this stage, I wouldn't be surprised if some more recent NWA world champions appeared for the promotion. I mean, you can get Jack Dane, you can get Tim Storm. Like, what? where the hell has Tim Storm been? I've been waiting. Like, did he get his rematch? I can't remember. But Tim Storm could be there. Colt Cabana, I expect, should hopefully be there. Should be recovered by then. You could bring in Rhino, like NWA, like TNA champion. Like, he's he's free agent now. You can get Rhino in there. In there. You can get Dan Seven. Oh, the Beast. Get the Beast in the NWA again. That would be fantastic. He he might be 60 years old, but I don't care. He is still an absolute killer, right? So that's all the NWA news. It's a bit overshadowed by this big, momentous week of wrestling that we have. But I will get into all of that and more after listening to Greg with our sponsors. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. How about we get into all the goings-on in the wacky, weird news of professional wrestling. Got to start with the signings, and we have a big one. So AEW have signed Dustin Rose, the man formerly known as Goldust in WWE. He signed a multi-year deal where he's going to be a member of the roster and a staff member. So when I heard this, I thought it made all the sense in the world. And no, it won't mean that Goldust will be wrestling for all that time. He could. He, he more than well could. But I imagine that they're going to have him on the books in some capacity, just as a, a head trainer, a coach, could be a managerial role down the line, something like that. So they're going to keep they're going to keep Dustin close. And it's nice to have someone who's a part of the old attitude era, like with the brand, like not necessarily like full frontal, but as part of the brand or like at ringside, just around. It's just a nice feeling to have Dustin there, of course, with his brother. It's just a nice little like, ah, they're finally reunited. All the sense in the world. Congratulations, Dustin Rhodes. We had another big AEW signing for us in Australia. We, if you listen to Aussie Graps and you heard the news, you would have heard it already. But Shazza McKenzie is all elite. She has been the latest woman announced for the AEW Women's Casino Battle Royale. So, so happy for her. She's been working her ass off all across the globe. If any woman in Australia deserved it, it would have been Shazza. And I cannot wait, hopefully at least to a full-time contract with All Elite Wrestling again. If you heard last week, week before, they've only announced 40% of their roster. How deep does this go? Is Shazza secretly all elite now we're just playing the waiting game? If you want to hear more of an in-depth discussion about that, listen to Aussie Graps from the other day. But yeah, I could not be, I was absolutely glowing when I heard the news. We have some other returns, kinda. So we have the Authors of Pain have actually been cleared to compete. And you'll notice if you watch the latest episode of Raw that we have new number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And it was the team, like it, it wasn't the Revival, it wasn't Heavy Machinery, it was Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. This weird makeshift tag team that seemed out of nowhere that defeated so many accomplished tag teams. Like tag team wrestling is like dead in the water in WWE. It's just meant to like. It's meant to push single stories. That's what they do. But 
the reason for that. So apparently the original plan was that the Authors of Pain were going to be a part of that tag team gauntlet match, but they didn't want the Authors of Pain to win because they wanted a team that could conceivably suffer a loss at Clash of Champions, which kind of, we kind of knew already, but it kind of seems confirmed now that you have Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins are going to retain their Raw Tag Team Championships. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But yeah, so the Authors of Pain are expected to be returning very soon to Raw. I, I hope very soon because, again, the tag team division needs legitimate tag teams and the Authors of Pain, while it wasn't the best reign, a form of tag team champions. You need those big boys and maybe the future people who are going to topple Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. I can see it happening. Like the, those guys, they could be the next big guys down the line to take the belts off the uh, the unlikely alliance of Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. All for that. We have a contract limbo status. So this is a very bizarre one. So there's been a report come out from the latest um, like PW Insider that Leo Rush and Lars Sullivan, it's not really news to anybody, but I just thought I'd say it because they're not even sure if they'll ever come back. Right, so Leo Leo Rush still under contract, doing focusing on music now and just other other parts of his life, but he's still tethered to WWE. They're just waiting down the clock. But it seems like you have Lars Sullivan again, another person. They might be thinking, is it even worth him coming back after the weird push? the The posts from the forums came out the fine and the sexual harassment seminars and stuff, and then getting injured. If they think he's injury prone, they're probably going to think, you know what, it's not even bother, right? And, of course, with all the, the mental health, uh, they had the like the anxiety attacks before uh, his big debut where he was meant to face off against, like, John Cena or something or other. Yeah, uh, not, nothing that we don't really already know, but I just we kind of need to repeat it just to see where they're at. Uh, there is another signing, I suppose, or another appearance, I should say. I should um, get the voice ready for this. <clears throat> this is for my juggalos and juggalettes that don't try this at home. Hope you like it. Whoop, whoop. Fuck that shit. <laughs> the man known as Superhuman uh, is appearing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I put myself, guys. Is appearing at Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling, the, the stunt guy the when when wrestlers say don't try this at home like it nothing will come of it this is the proof positive that it actually can because for some goddamn reason superhuman is appearing at an indie show he's going to be in a fatal five way with joey ryan like is one of participants and shark boy i have no idea what to make of this (laughs) oh i I think he's been he's been a part of some wrestling trains before as like a special attraction, not as like a proper match. I think this is going to be his first actual match. I am terrified. I'm gonna piss myself laughing depending on how it goes. Like he's a <laughs> like being around wrestlers, you hear about Superhuman all the time for the Juggalos and the Juggalettes. Uh, hopefully, the Juggalos and Juggalettes will. Um, be gracious enough to watch his debut match in Atomic Rev Wrestling. But yeah, that's the big signings and stuff from this week. 
No real injuries to report, which is always a good thing. No news is good news there. Uh, in terms of leaving as well, like, no news is good news, except for AJ Styles. He, he did reaffirm on Lillian Garcia's podcast that, yes, his contract that he has with WWE at this time will definitely be his last. Will definitely be his last. He's not going to do a part-time contract after that. He's not going to go to another promotion. And like, at, at this stage, like, granted, again, never say never. I hate that freaking saying, but never say never. But at this time, like, once AJ finishes contract with WWE, that will be it. And I, I want to see him end on a high rather than, like, like, afterwards, like, down the line, doing another match at, a, like, a smaller indie show. Like, he'd probably be more than capable of it. But, yeah, like, for those of you kind of clamoring to the idea that, oh, he could go to All Elite Wrestling if it's still around, like, in five years' time, or he could go to Ring of Honor, he could, like, appear at Impact Wrestling if it's still around in five years' time for a match, like a like a highlights tour, one for the road tour. But no. And I, I even then, once he finishes with WWE, I'd expect they'd probably sign into a Legends deal so that he can never be signed to anybody ever again, ever. <laughs> that, that's what I think anyway. Could be wrong, though. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of wrestling news stories to come out from this week. I'm going to try and get through them all as best I can. But we have the PW Insider release their top 500 for this year. And the number one pick for 2019 was Seth Rollins, the two-time Universal Champion. Now, this is a mixture of like real life and kayfabe when they do these listings here. Um, yeah, I, I understand that, that this is all subjective, of course. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I don't think Seth Rollins should be number one, but I do agree that he should be in the top 10. So that is my thought. So for the full 500 names, you have to go check out the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, pay some money. But in terms of the top 10, we got you covered here at the B+. So number 10 was Will Ospreay, the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. He was 12th last year. I'd argue he should be in the top five because he's just that damn good. But that's just me. Number nine, the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. He picked up the heavyweight championship around about this time last year. In the past 12 months, I should say. So, yeah, I, I can see him being there. Number eight, Kenny Omega. Of course, number one last year. Uh, his 12 months have been very interesting because he hasn't really wrestled that much. And there's a good reason for that because of AEW like, getting off the ground, so that's why he hasn't really been doing any wrestling matches, which, can't fault him for that, he's still in the top 10, I agree with that, you had Roman Reigns, number 7, the big, uh, him coming back, like, putting his leukemia in remission, just the success story there, got a successful movie out with Hobbs and Shaw, yeah, I don't, I don't fault him for that, number 6, Johnny Gargano, he was number 34, last year which is crazy but yeah uh, Johnny the the other Johnny in wrestling uh, the Grand Slam Johnny Gargano NXT all of that uh, yeah can't fault him for that one Johnny Gargano I can totally see that happening number five Kazushika Okada the current IWGP heavyweight champion very interesting pick because in the past 12 months, you had Okada had his little grunge period where he had, like, the red hair, came out with balloons once for some reason. 
Uh, but yeah, he's still he's still crushing it, and he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. So makes sense that he'd be in there. Number four, after being 82nd in the last year's PW Top 500, Kofi Kingston skyrocketed. Like he's in the best position that he's ever been in his career. Should have happened sooner. Love love the fact that he's just being recognized for his efforts. Number three, AJ Styles. This is an interesting one because he's been in like the top five for the past five years. But I'd argue that he hasn't really done much in the past 12 months. Like, yes, he was the WWE champion in that 12 months, but he didn't really have like any big feuds. Like, he had like the Samoa Joe stuff, like, and then he lost to Daniel Bryant. Yes, he's the US champion now, but I don't know. It seems like we haven't seen the best of AJ in these past 12 months compared to the past few years. That's just me personally. Number two, after being 91st last year, Daniel Bryan. The new Daniel Bryan. What a freaking skyrocket. And yeah, in the last 12 months, he's been the WWE champion again. He's been the SmackDown tag team champion. That that was a thing. He completely reinvented himself. Yeah, no one more deserving than Daniel Bryan to be back in the top 10. And yes, I mentioned number one, Seth Rollins. Now, again, this is all subjective. If you think you can do a better top 10, make sure you message us on all the socials and let us know who you thought should be in the top 10 for the PWI top 500. We have some news out of AEW. We have, as I mentioned earlier, the AEW have a sponsor for their triple threat match between Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela. It's going to be a Cracker Barrel triple threat match. Now, very, very weird thing here. So there's going to be the match sponsor for the triple threat match, of course. Now, triple threat, no disqualifications because you can't, people forget that sometimes. Cracker Barrel does have a relationship with Young Bucks. They sponsored some of their matches previously, and they've uh, helped create their biscuit party caps. They sponsor like a, I think three of their matches. No doubt, we'll see how sturdy one of those barrels are when they use to uh, on crack on the back of one of the opponent's heads. Again, we're not doing a predictions video, but I I like to think that Jimmy Havoc will pull, pick the win up for this one. Very interesting that you have. Um, a sponsor for just a match in a <laughs> in a event, just a match, not for the whole show, just for a match is being sponsored by Cracker Barrel. Very interesting. We have uh, news that WWE are hoping to do another superstar shakeup in the future, which I can totally see that's happening. So once SmackDown successfully moved to Fox, once you have NXT situated on the USA Network. And again, we're phasing out the wild card rule. So it's not really mentioned on commentary anymore. Yes, I'm very curious how the 24-7 title picture will look. Uh, if you're going to completely shut off the like people going to both brands, well, to all three brands now, that three main show brands. Uh, I Again, to make it seem more legitimate, yeah, do another draft. But it, the fact that it means something, I'm not against that. I hope that, hopefully, that, yeah. I don't know who would be better off being transferred. You have, I can I can see this being like a lot of main roster stars being drafted to NXT so they actually get to do stuff. I can see it being more as that rather than um, call-ups. I hate using that word with NXT, but call-ups to the main brand because it's not call-up, it's going across. 
I firmly believe that. You have the news that Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura, so that little um, story has been happening in the world of WWE land. The, the goal is apparently the reason that Sami Zayn is now no longer a wrestler but an advocate for the Intercontinental Champion Nakamura is that they want to kind of reassemble the fragments of the Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens, Festival of Friendship storyline. So according to WrestleVotes, which they're a bit of 50-50 with news, but they have their sources, they apparently want to reassemble that story from a few years ago leading to a big-time blow-off match. I can see it. Like Sami Zayn, again, should be very underrated, should be used as a wrestler, a very capable wrestler, but him as the manager, like if you watch SmackDown the past couple weeks, him as this advocate, just like this big cheerleader, yeah, Nakamura, King of Strong Style, yeah. He does his role great. And I can see this. We probably won't have the list, but I better see a festival of friendship if this is the case. And maybe this could be the the push that Nakamura, Nakamura blah, my apologies, ladies and gentlemen, gets turns face from all this after their big blowout. Nakamura, with the theme song back, like the proper violin theme song, I miss Nakamura's theme song. Like, like people forget how much of like how much fire that is. So yeah, I am all for that. We have a whole bunch of other WWE news stories coming out. So apparently. The meddlings of Paul Heyman are coming to light where he is heavily involved in Sasha Banks' heel turn, her heel character, currently on the main roster. I can totally buy that, Sasha Banks being a Paul Heyman girl and why that is working away splendidly as it has. Another person that Paul Heyman apparently has a big affection for is Bobby Roode. So I think partially one of the reasons why the authors of Pain, they didn't end up happening and they needed like a makeshift team to assemble, it seems like Paul Heyman handpicked Bobby Roode to pick to pair, partner with Dolph Ziggler because he doesn't want him seen as a nobody wrestler after doing nothing for the past couple of years. Can totally see that. Like he know he knows him from Impact. He's known he's a very capable wrestler. Like the guy was a former NXT champion and now he's been what? He was Robert Roode. He won the 24-7 title once. He doesn't need to be a goober running around, like, trying to chase R-Truth and Drake Maverick. Like, he needs to do stuff, right? He's in his early 40s. He needs to do things. And Paul Heyman, man, it seems like the the thing now where anything good happening in Raw right now, yeah, Paul Heyman's doing it, you know? I I totally believe that with, with everything. Like, it could be wrong, but it makes sense to me. There's been some weird rumors that The Fiend could be in the Universal title picture in a couple months. So there's a premature tweet from the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. The actual venue for Hell in a Cell coming up in a couple months actually tweeted this prematurely. And again, cars subject to change and also take this with a grain of salt. But they are advertising that Bray Wyatt is expected to challenge either Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman in a Hell in a Cell match. Now, it doesn't say for the Universal title, but you would expect that whoever wins that match and faces, if you're facing The Fiend, you would think it's for the Universal title. Now, this is interesting because as I, I've wanted Bray Wyatt to be a world champion for ages, and yes, he is a former world champion, I do know that. 
but uh, with his old character, I wanted him to finally have the gold and be this big supernatural presence. But the fiend, as a champion, I don't know. I don't. I don't see the fiend as this presence that needs championships, right? It'd be a nice image, right? And I'm sure if the fiend were to become universal champion, we could signify that Raw has gotten a lot more darker and twister, and you have the more supernatural elements week in week out that the the championship's been taken hostage by this monster bray wyatt I, I i like it in that regard but i see the fiend as this entity that does not he's not uh, shackled by the the rules of wwe the rules of sports entertainment in that um, in regards to championships uh, i'm not against it in terms of who i think he should face off against either seth Rollins or braun i want to want to see braun if it's against Seth Rollins, I don't mind that because I just I would love to see Seth Rollins get his ass kicked by Bray Wyatt. But that's um that's just me. If you wouldn't want to, we still have a poll, ladies and gentlemen, on the B Plus Facebook page. Let us know who you actually would want to face off against the Fiend, and would you want to see the Fiend become the new Universal Champion? Um, I'm gonna go yes, but tentatively because I don't think the Fiend needs to have belts have a couple other news stories, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to cover this one a little bit more when I do the Impact Zone tomorrow, but the Impact Zone, Impact Wrestling, have actually started covering hotel costs for their roster. This is actually really cool. So they kind of did it for the, when they were in Mexico for their tapings over there, but it looks like this is going to be a permanent thing going on as a reward for their roster for their loyalty. Now, these guys are independent contractors, and they have to cover their expenses. So the fact that Impact are taking the charge, now they don't offer them health insurance there, but if they can cover them in some other way, like with their travel, that's only a good thing. And more wrestling promotions need to look after the wrestlers, the like the roster, need to look after them any way they can, even though they can't call them like stuff, you know? I want to get into that later on, but I thought I'd briefly touch upon it now. I am all for it. Like the more that wrestlers are recognized for their roles as employees or next to employees and not contractors, so they get um, messed up with benefits. Like, yeah, it's it's a very messed up. The life of a wrestler is very hard, right? It's not easy. So anything that can make it easier, I'm all for. We have the news that NXT are going to remain at Full Sail University, so even though they're expected to be a part of the USA Network coming up soon, they're not expected to go on tour around the world yet. So they're still going to be doing emanating from the Full Sail University until at least December. That's the rumor anyway. So you would expect with the Wednesday Night Wars coming up that they're going to be traveling around, much like AEW, much like Raw and SmackDown. But this is just hearsay at this point. So. It'd be very interesting if they were just like in the one spot all this time while AEW are going around everywhere. I I would like it's, it's it'd be nice, but NXT should roam around and give other places a chance to see if like maybe they could come back to Australia. You know? Show Australia some love, ladies and gentlemen. I'd love to see Bronson Reed back in Australia. Just be a nice little nice little oh yay, great to see you again. I've uh, got some final news stories for the week. Uh, just This is just like a little weird, weird one. In a little house show match between Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan, 
there were a chance for CM Punk and Kofi and Brian proceeded to do the go to sleep on each other one after the other and kind of just asked the fans who was the better man. Uh, Kenta saw this in New Japan and just said like, you're copying my moves circa 2004. I just aim better. Apparently Kenta wants to face CM Punk, which is just a really weird news. <laughs> but yeah, this is a very interesting reaction to the CM Punk chant, and it's a nice little twist on the fact that you've seen Kofi versus Brian a thousand times. Yeah, spice it up with something. And I'm going to end on with some wholesome news, ladies and gentlemen. So the extraordinary man, Finn Balor, before the inaugural Universal Champion, officially hitched. So he's taking some time off to be with his partner, his uh, fiance Veronica Rodriguez. But I shouldn't say fiance anymore because they just announced. They've just got married. They announced on Instagram. So big congratulations to the extraordinary man, Finn Balor, and, and Veronica, the newlywed couple. Another newlywed couple. I'm going to end on this one. So Peyton Royce, the former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion, who the <clears throat> Iconics cannot do it justice. And Ty Dillinger, a.k.a. Sean Spears, they tied the knot recently as well. They did the nice, if you look up on the social media, they actually did the the dirty dancing pose, which I thought was really sweet. But the very interesting thing I want to touch on here is that WWE actually acknowledged the wedding and actually wished their congratulations to Peyton and Sean. Now, this is like with an asterisk. So they didn't call Sean Spears by Sean Spears. They used his real name and then said, also known as Ty Dillinger. So they didn't actually say Sean Spears in their congratulations, but the fact that they're acknowledging that Peyton Royce and Sean Spears are married, that's just like a weird WTF moment in itself, right? Because they're not the only uh, AW, WWE couple that's going around at the moment. You have Renee Young and John Moxley. You have Britt Baker and Adam Cole. And granted, they're not married, but they're in a relation, a long-standing relationship. Yeah, um, weird, uh, weird truce thing there, maybe to at least recognize the, the wedding. I don't know. Anyways, regardless, it's the it's the season for weddings. I seem to be reporting a lot of weddings lately, and that's that's fine. Like everyone who is getting wed this week, everyone who's celebrating Father's Day this week, I wish you all the very best. That is all the time we have at this point in time for this Father's Day edition of all the rest. If you want to follow me on all the socials, I'm at Mr. Mysterious with a 107i, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Grapple. Hit me up. Let me know what you've been, what you're going to do to celebrate this year's Father's Day and what you think about the top 500 PWI listings. Uh, do you think Seth Rollins should be the number one wrestler 2019? Let's discuss. If you want to follow us on the collectively here at the B+, because we're a great bunch, I'm not going to lie, we are at the B Plus Wrestle on Twitter because wrestling wouldn't fit and the B Plus Wrestling everywhere else. Everyone, I say this all the time and I mean every single damn time. We have our Patreon. Any amount you could donate would be greatly appreciated so we can keep giving all what you want, when you want, showcasing the very best of Australian wrestling and keep you update on all the wrestling news from around the globe. Like, share, subscribe, hit that five star review. I've been Mr. Mysterious for all the rest and I'll see you later.